Father, we just thank you, Lord. We praise you once again, Father, this morning, even as we come for the ministry of the word. Lord, your word, not man's word. Father, this morning we need the unction of the Holy Spirit for even the speaking and the hearing. For without your anointing, O Lord, we can do nothing. And we come here even now, O Lord, because we need the power, the empowerment of our Holy, of your Holy Spirit. Because you said in your word that even as we receive your word by faith, you will give us the Holy Spirit. And therefore we come this, this, this morning, O Lord Jesus, to hear your word. And even as we receive it by faith, that you would empower us, anoint us, even in the presence of God's people this morning. Even as we unite ourselves, our minds and our hearts to hear your name. Father, as you said in your word, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. That the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Father, will rest upon Every one of us, O oh Lord, will saturate us, O oh Lord Jesus, this morning. And Lord, you would command your blessing, O oh Lord, even here in this sanctuary this morning, even life forevermore. That you would, Lord, take us away, Father, draw us out from the paths of darkness and wickedness and death and lead us into the way of everlasting life. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, this morning, uh, we will continue in uh, in our in our studies i mean it's a it's a it's a seamless study that we do generally um if you uh, were there last sunday uh, we were talking about uh, people trusting in their own righteousness and how jesus from uh, uh, luke's gospel chapter 15 talks about the parable of the of the prodigal son we know the story very well what actually Gives God joy is a question that you need to ask. What really, really makes Him joyful? You know, uh, we we sing that song. I want to give Him, give you pleasure, Lord. I want to give you pleasure. What really pleases God? When 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 is there rejoicing in heaven? You know, this if you look at uh, Gospel according to Luke chapter fifteen, and this is from verse one onwards. Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So, this is how, um, during Jesus' time, I mean, even now, you know, Pharisees and the teachers and the, uh, of the law muttered, he says, how come this guy welcomes sinners and eats with them? And Jesus gives a parable. Look at what he says. He says, verse 3 onwards, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? It's a rhetorical question. In other words, if you are a good shepherd, you will run after that lost sheep until you find it. It's talking about sheep, not goats. Okay, it's very important. And if, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and comes and goes home. You know, I was, I was, I was listening to one man of God, uh, sometime back. You know, the, the, the way shepherds discipline their, their sheep, when they go astray, is that when they find them, they break their leg. And, and the sheep goes crazy, but do you know what the shepherd does? He puts the, uh, the leg back, puts a cast around it, Puts it on its shoulder, on his shoulders and brings him back to the fold. 
So in the meantime, the sheep is going crazy, but you know what? It's disciplining at the same time carrying the sheep on his shoulder. That's exactly how God does it for us as well. Now when we go astray, he chastises us. And then we keep screaming and shouting. He says, don't scream and shout. You're very close to my ear, okay? I'm just carrying you. You see, this, see, this is, this is, you need to understand that. And when he, and he says, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and, and he goes home. And what does he do? Then he calls all his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 other righteous persons who do not need what? Repentance. You see, what, what, <laughs> what gives God tremendous joy and he rejoices in heaven is when people repent. Whether you are a sinner or whether you are righteous. Yeah. Actually, I titled today's sermon as the repentance of the righteous. <laughs> you see that? Like, look at, I mean, that really gives incredible joy to God. When he sees people repenting and changing their mind. You remember the story of the two sons? Father comes and says, do this. He says, I will not do. But later on, he changes his mind. One fellow says, I I will do. But he never does it. You see, again, he goes on to say, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Okay, women, when you lose a ring, what would you do? What do you do? This is exactly what God is saying. It's so precious to you, right? And when she finds it, she calls her friends on the phone, WhatsApp, finally found it. Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. And you know what 1 John chapter 1 will say? If any man says that he is without sin, he makes God a liar. So one of the things that you need to understand every day of our life, one of the constant things that we have to keep doing as believers is exercise what we call as the gift of repentance. So today I want to look at one, one guy, how he repents. And I want to look at his, his credentials. No, credentials, I'm not talking about people who in the world who have given credentials to him. I'm talking about God himself giving credentials and giving him, and putting him among such stalwarts in the Bible. I'm the greatest among the Old Testament, if you will. Look at one man. I'm going to see that guy. Ezekiel chapter 14 and look at verse 12 onwards. The word of the Lord came again to me saying, Son of man, when a land sin against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it and cut off man and beast from it. Four levels of punishment I will do. Then he says, verse 14, even if these three men, who are they? Noah, Daniel, Job. Now who is this? Who is writing this? Ezekiel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is writing. Who is Ezekiel contemporary of Daniel? Noah, dead and gone. Job, the very first man to ever live, the very first righteous man, at, at least chronologically in the Bible. Among these three, even Daniel is mentioned. That's amazing. He says, even if these what men? 
Three men, uh, Noah, Daniel and Job were there. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord. And then he goes on to say, or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury on it, and he actually mentions it four times, he says, these three men, these three men, but in verse, th- verse 19 he says, uh, and cut off from it man and beast, verse 20, even though Noah, Daniel and Job were in it as I live, says the Lord, they would deliver neither son nor daughter, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. You know what God is saying? This guy, Daniel, righteous man. It's like one guy giving a commendation. Ezekiel, one of the big prophets in the Old Testament, is giving commendation about another guy called Daniel. And who is Daniel? Daniel is an administrator. Later on, Jesus calls him the prophet Daniel. We call him one of the minor prophets. But he never called himself prophet. He was just one man who was an administrator. He was just like anybody of any one of you, us, like uh, you know, going to a hostel and studying and getting a degree in from uh, University of Babylon. Three-year degree in bachelor's in whatever arts or whatever it was, no? Bachelor in arts from University of Babylon and he topped the class. And then he got a job in the civil services in Babylon. That's what, that's who he is. Don't ever think, oh, this guy is a prophet. No, when we read the Bible, we have to apply it. Like, what did it mean then? What did it, but what does it mean now? What is it for me? And you apply it to yourself. Daniel was a guy just like us, a guy, young guy. God doesn't say Daniel was a very wise man. Then he actually says God gave him wisdom. And then in Ezekiel chapter 28, actually, Ezekiel chapter 28, when, when, when Satan's exposition has been given, you know what it says? You are wiser than who? Daniel. Daniel is considered to be a wise man. God is giving all these credentials. By their righteousness, God is calling Daniel righteous. God is... Uh, calling Daniel wise and this is the credentials that God has given to Daniel and look at this man and if you look at the exodus from Babylon to Jerusalem it starts off by one man praying and who's that man? Daniel and I want to look at his prayer and that is the reason why I titled today's sermon as the repentance of the righteous look at what it says Daniel chapter 9 in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of Medes. I'm going to read a few verses and then we'll look at all those verses closely. So please pay attention. I'm not, I'm not sure if anyone, many of you must, must have not uh, read this passage at all. But if you have read, great. But if you haven't read, read along with me. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made the king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, the number of years specified by the, by the word of the Lord, through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes, and I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O great God, Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel those near and those far off in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. 
O Lord, to us belongs shame of face. To our kings, our princes and our fathers. Because we have sinned. He doesn't say, they have sinned. He says, who is he? A righteous guy. Who is he? A wise guy. And what does he say? We have sinned. Alright? We have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he said before us by his servants the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore the curse and the oaths written in the law of Moses, a servant of God, had, po- had been poured out, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him and he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judge us by bringing upon us a great disaster for under the whole heaven such as never been done as was, as what has been done in Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses. All this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God. That we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept disaster in mind. And verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteousness I pray. Let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city Jerusalem. Your holy mountain because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now therefore all, therefore our God, hear the prayer of your servants and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary which is desolate. O God, incline your ear and hear. Open your ears and see your desolations. See our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. It starts off. This is a prayer of a righteous man. Fasting and prayer. And you know the uh, the result of this fast, he gets the 70 weeks prophecy. Okay, But how does it start? Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1 and 2. It says, I, Daniel, understood by books. What books, Baba? The book of Jeremiah is there. As it is written in the law of Moses is also there. So what did he have? We had the Torah. Had they had the prophets. He had the law and he had the prophets. And what was he doing? Understood by the books. What does it tell me? This man was a man who was a student of God's word. Who was he? A student in the University of Babylon. Okay. Also a public servant in the palace of the king. Like many of you who are servants in of offices or in what whichever corporates you're you're working in, you're all you you you're all supposed to be Daniels. Don't ever take these things lightly. It is not only come in full time ministers are not are not, not Daniels. David, do you think David was a man who was a full time minister? No, he was a full time king. He was an administrator. He was fighting wars. He was writing psalms, meditating on the word. He's doing all his palace supposed to be whatever tasks he was supposed to do and he and what was his idea his idea was to spend as much time in the presence of the lord by finishing his work first okay so what what, what who's this daniel a daniel is a man who is a student of god's word you know what this is an encouragement and an exhortation for all of us how many of us are students of god's word is a question we need to ask a student just we are 
student of God's word. So, in other words, he says, I, Daniel, understood. He just didn't read the book. He understood it. Okay? Did you read the book? Yeah. Did you understand? Not many. Many. But this guy understood the book. The question therefore is, first question we need to ask, how did Daniel's process of repentance begin? By reading the word. You see that? That's the first thing. It's no brainer. In other words, when you start reading the word, one of the first things God expects from all of us by the time we finish our Bible study for the day, repent. Isn't it amazing? Question therefore is, how do we read the scriptures? And he, Daniel understood by books and what was the book that was available to him? In Dan, Jeremiah chapter 23, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. How many years? 70 years. Then it will come to pass when 70 years are complete. So he exactly understood the times. He knows his word and he says, Lord, 70 years are going to be over. Lord, we know the time has come to build. And now before we start building, Lord, we need to repent. We need to repent. How do we read the scriptures? Question, how do we read the scriptures? How did people during Jesus' time read the scriptures? In Matthew chapter 12, they, they, they are, you know, the, the, the disciples go into the field, no? And then they are, you know, they're gleaning the corn and they start eating and immediately the Pharisee says, you're there. They are dishonoring the Sabbath. And immediately Jesus says, have you not read the scriptures? Which scriptures is relevant for this time, Baba? Did when David went into the sanctuary and he ate ate the shoe bread? And did not Hosea say, I desire mercy and not sacrifice? In other words, if you would have understood Hosea chapter chapter 6, you would have understood my disciples' action. Nicodemus comes in, comes to Jesus and he says, unless you are born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you are born of the water and of the spirit. He says, how can a man just enter into a, uh, his mother's womb like a, sec- a second time and be born again? Are you a teacher in Israel? Which book, which textbook are you reading, Baba? What is the textbook? Did not, did not Moses say, when, when Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness and everybody who looked at the bronze serpent would, would be saved, would be healed from their, from their disease and from their sickness. In the same way, the son of man, when he's lifted up, what, was, was Moses not talking about me? What, which book are you reading? Isn't, isn't it amazing? What book are you reading? When you read the scriptures, do you understand what it means? First of all, Romans chapter 15 verse 4. Whatever is written, you know, he, I, I believe Daniel believed it. Whatever was written in former days, Jeremiah for him, and the prophets and the law and the prophets for him was written for my instruction. He said, "Baba, Daniel, me, mera instruction ke liye law and the prophets were given that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, I might have hope." Why do people don't have hope? Because when they read scriptures, they don't get what endurance and encouragement. Reading scriptures is a big endurance for them. I read one portion in the Bible today. I finished my daily devotion. 
Can you imagine how we read our Bible today over? I finished the psalm for the... Let us get rid of that attitude. Okay. Another translation. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of scriptures we will we should have hope. John's Gospel chapter 5. Look at what he says. Jesus, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. In other words, if you have the word abiding in you, you would have known me. If you, it's simple, no? If you have the word in each one of you, if you have the word abiding in you, when the preaching of the word of God is going on, what would you recognize? Who would you recognize? The person of Jesus. If the word is, that is the reason why he says, I write to you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. How? Because the word of God abides in you richly. And that is the reason why he says in Ephesians chapter 4, 5 and Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of God abide in you richly speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs of worship. Admonishing one another. Richly. And if the word of God is truly abiding in each one of, our, one of your hearts, you know what? You know how will you come, when you come to the, come to the church, you will get confirmation as to what God has already spoken to you through the week. Would you come? Do you come with that kind of an attitude? That is the reason why he says in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 10, he says, My people, they don't have what years? They have uncircumcised years. In other translations, in our local translations, he says, My people have unprepared years. They don't come prepared when they come to church. They're mostly tired or they just come casually or it is just another ritual for them. But they don't come expecting to hear from God. And therefore what happens? You search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. And I'm standing right in front of you. And all your Bible reading is useless because you are not able to re- recognize me. You see. John Piper preached one sermon called, I mean he wrote a book, I started reading. Reading the Bible with supernatural eyes. Wow, what a title it is. Reading the Bible with supernatural eyes. You want, you wonder, no? When they talk about, is it lawful for us to divorce? Have you not read? That in the beginning, which which book are you reading, Baba? Stop, stop that your those fellows from saying Hosanna, Hosanna. Have you not read Psalm eight? That out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, he has ordained praise. Is it okay for seven? She had seven husbands. Do you err because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? What an indictment. It's called smackdown. <laughs> to the doctors of the law. <laughs> every time Jesus would, they would ask Jesus' question, how do you read the scriptures? That's exactly how you need to ask yourself. We are all students of the word of God. How do you read the scriptures? Miru vachanani ela chodutaru. Very important. How do you read the Bible? You know, brother, I'm not very educated. I'll come to that. Luke's gospel <laughs> chapter 10, you need to be well read. I'll come to that. Luke's gospel chapter 10. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
He said to him, what is written in the law? Ha, how do you read it? You know what, how David reads the law? Boy, he says, he delights in the law of the Lord and in his law meditates day and night. How can you delight in the law? Leviticus. People to read through Leviticus is... Oh, brother, I am reading through Leviticus. Oh, it is such a tough book to read. And he says, I delight in Leviticus. And again, and he says, I have seen an end, end to all perfection. But your commandments are exceedingly large. In Telugu, it's fantastic. Sarva paripurnataki antamuchusangane, ni vakyam matram dani paripurnataledu. There's no completeness to your commands. See, and you, and he said, how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God. Uh, I read it well, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, etc. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Baba, you, if you write an examination today, you will get A. Problem is, do this. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. Look, but he desiring to justify himself. Who is my neighbor? Am I my brother's keeper? Who is my neighbor? Not read it. Looks at chapter 24. This is interesting, no? Then he said to them, this is on the road to Emmaus. Oh, you foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Who are these people, Baba? The disciples who are with him for three and a half years and have listened to exposition after exposition and still can't recognize the person of Jesus Christ. What scriptures are they reading? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then, ding money, walaki, jnana balugu, vilipene. See that? Why? Why is it that people, when they read the Bible, they don't understand it? One, some people will say, because lack of education. We have to send them to school, give them proper education, enable them to study hard and then give them the Bible. Then they will understand. Is that so? Let us see. As I chapter 29 verse 11, look at this. And the vision of this has become to you like a words of a book that is sealed. You are reading, reading, it is sealed. When men give to the one who can, in other translations we'll use the word, the one who is literate, saying, read this, he says, I cannot. For it is sealed. Can you imagine, in other words, for, in, a, in other words, this guy, please give to the guy who is a PhD from, let's say, MIT. Meheran Sahami. <laughs> give it to him. Artificial intelligence, top. Maybe he can crack it open for you. He will read. Sorry, I don't understand. So many contradictions in your Bible. He will say. 
And when they give the book to the one who cannot read, read this, he says, he says, I cannot read. Why? Why is it when people read the Bible, they don't understand? You know why? Jesus gives the answer in the very next verse in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 29 and verse 13. Why? And the Lord said, you know why? Because these people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far. And therefore, while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment which is taught by men and therefore they are not able to understand. You see that? You are not able to understand. You know why? Because their hearts are not for me. Question is, therefore, do you have a heart for God? Then you will understand the Bible. Therefore, in order to understand the Bible, should you go to college? No, you should have a heart for God. In other words, if you believe, if you believe, I remember when we started the pastor's conference for the very first time. Okay, this was, you know it, right? You know whom I'm talking about. The very first time, this is about 2011, if I'm right, whereabouts. The very first pastor's conference, we had a gentleman coming from uh, 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 some some village in Telangana. He said, when he, when he got uh, saved, he couldn't read and write. Absolutely couldn't read and write. And he went and asked the Lord, Lord, I didn't go to school, Lord. I want to read your Bible, Lord. And that very night, when he went to sleep, God gave him in the vision, gave him the understanding, gave him the language. The next day he started opening the Bible and he could read. In Telugu. I'm talking about Telugu. Telugu Bible, you people, all educated from top schools, read Telugu Bible. Noru pirgal, pirgal. Kada? Yes. Shame on us, Telugus. <laughs> and he started reading. And I remember another story of this lady who had, who was, who was saved, who couldn't read, and she had this desire to read the Bible a lot, and she wanted to listen to the word. Only her daughter, she was, uh, she started till grade five, and she asked her daughter, every time she used to come back from school, she would say, please read me, no? Read for me the Bible. And she would read, and one day she would say, Lord, I want to read your word, and too much for me, the second hand thing is, second hand, second hand information, I want to read your word first hand and that night, the very fire of God came on her head, came on her tongue, opened her tongue and she could start read. She could start reading the Bible. That's exactly, I'm not, these are not cock and bull stories. These are this is the things which have really happened. So therefore, to study and read the Bible, do you have to go to college? You need a heart for God. You see, for God to do a miracle in your life is it a big thing. Oh, is it a big thing? It's not. What are you going through is a question. Do you believe therefore? But God is looking for a heart. That is the reason why Warren Vsb says, I love that saying, God doesn't require big heads. He needs burning hearts. Okay, yesterday we were looking at, no? Wisdom has built her house. It is established by understanding and by knowledge you fill up with, fill it up with what things? Good and pleasant things. Knowledge is like good and pleasant things. It is like going to Ikea and buying the best furniture. But if you don't have a house built on wisdom, where you will keep the knowledge? Useless. 
You need wisdom. Heart for God. If your heart is not, doesn't matter if you come to church, you do whatever it is, God will not, this is useless only. You know, this one guy who thought he could use the sacraments, so to speak, and be delivered. His name is Joab. First Kings chapter 2. The news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar and, the, and, and King Solomon was told Joab had fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. And then what happens? So King Solomon sent Benaiah the son of Jehada saying, go strike him down. So Benaiah went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said, thus says the king, come out. And you know what the story is. He struck him down and he died. Who is this guy? Joab. What is he doing? Holding on to the altars of God, of the tabernacle. Where are, where is this altar? This altar is in the outer courts. Near the brazen altar, after which you have the labor and then you have the holy place. Right at the altar you have the sacrifice and the, and the altar has four bronze horns and when you do a sacrifice, the, the, the priest has to apply the blood on the four, I mean, horns of the altar. And what does it mean? He's hanging on to the horns of the altar means, you know what? I'm hanging on to the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus in my life. Please, let me go. But who is this Joab? Did he repent? Did he once go to church? He killed one guy called Abner by deception. And he killed another guy called Amasa by deception. He killed Absalom by deception. And finally when it, when his time came, he tries to hang on to the altar of God. And do you think God is going to say, okay, okay? No way. Your heart is far from me. You know, I was, I was reading this uh, sermon by Spurgeon. Uh, on this particular thing, the title of the sermon was holding on to the horns of the altar. And it t- talks about um, this, uh, this is 19th century, 1800s, okay? Uh, this is 18, 19th century Britain, when this, there's this rich man in that city who was dying of cholera. And he's not saved, okay? He's never been to church, he's not saved, and he's in the deathbed. And just before he's dying, he calls his friend, he says, please bring me Spurgeon. So, he's insisting, I want Spurgeon, please bring me Mr. Spurgeon, the, the pastor of Metropolitan Tabernacle, please call him, please call him, please call him, please call him, and the, oh, the guy says, okay, fine, and he goes to Mr. Spurgeon, and he says, my friend is dying, and he's insisting that you should come. And he says, who's this person? I don't even know. He says, no, I don't, but he's insisting, he doesn't want anybody next to his bed, he wants only you. Spurgeon says, okay, fine, let me go. And Spurgeon goes to this uh, uh, this hospital and this guy is al- already there, di- almost dying. And he asks him, why did you ask me to come? You know what that guy says? All my life I had the best. If I had to send my children to the school, to a school, I'd send them to the best school. If I had to build a house, I got the best architect. If I had to go for a vacation, I went to the best place. And now I am dying, I want the best minister next to me. And Spurgeon looked at him and he said, You think my bestness is going to save you? It is like Joab hanging by the horns of the altar. You are going to die. Your heart is not there for God.
need to understand. God is very serious about such things. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What is that? How do you read the scriptures? When you read the scriptures, you have to listen. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at the and at, the, at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's I told you, you know, he's like Mirza Galib. You know what Mirza Galib said, no? Sari zindagi eki galti dohrata gaya malik. Galib. My friend, Sara zindagi eki galti dohrata gaya galib. Mupe dusti. Kisko saaf karta gaya? Aina ko saaf karta gaya. Where do you have the dust? On your face. And what am I cleaning? I am cleaning the mirror. <laughs> Lot of people. People are like that. When you read the word, oh, they don't like it. No. This is wrong. Let me go to Psalm 23. Some little tough. No, no, no. They don't want it. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, verse in Psalm, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, that you, sh- that you might sanctify the church by the washing of water by the word of God. Okay. And in Telugu, it's, Vakyam valana udaka snanam. You know, snanam means just make a nice, Bath, give it a nice bath. You know, in Telugu, no, one khadige santra You know, what is khadige meaning? I just washed him. What does washing means? I confronted him. That's what it means. I confronted him. Khadige santra, I just confronted that fellow. And so whenever the word of God, what does it do? It confronts you. And what, what happens? Instead of changing ourselves, we want to change the word. How do you read the Bible? How do you read the scriptures? And it says, Daniel understood by scriptures. What happened? His heart broke. Do not merely listen to the word. Deceive yourselves. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it. And what happens to that guy? But whoever looks intently, this is important. How do you look into the word? Intently. You know what intently means? With intention. Ah. You have an intention when you're reading. Today, I want to learn something about God and after God has spoken to me, I want to change. That has got the, the word of, that's exactly how the word of God works. It's got the power to change in those who believe. Intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How do we read the scriptures? Question. How do we read the scriptures? First question. Daniel asks us, how do you read the scriptures? Scriptures which encourage you, which exhort you, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, it is for doctrine, for instruction, for reproof, for instruction, for uh, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So that a man of God is thoroughly equipped for every good work. Armed, it says, for every good work. Alright, read the scriptures, ask God for an open mind. We've sang that song, Lord, open the eyes of my Heart, Lord. Give me the spirit of what wisdom and revelation I need, Lord. It's a sealed book for me. Sealed. I need you to speak to me from this situation. And don't just read like, you know, spiritual roulette. 
టాస్ చేసి డై చేసి ఇట్లా ఓపెన్ చేస్తే బుక్ దెన్ యూ విల్ గెట్ దట్ వర్డ్ నో వాట్ ఎవర్ యూ హ్యావ్ టు డూ డూ ఇట్ క్విక్లీ అండ్ దెన్ యూ క్లో అండ్ యూ క్లోజ్ అండ్ యూ ఓపెన్ ఇట్ ఈవెంట్ అండ్ హంగ్ హిమ్సెల్ యూ డోంట్ యూ డోంట్ యూ డోంట్ వాంట్ దోస్ కైండ్స్ ఆఫ్ థింగ్స్ హ్యాపనింగ్ టు యూ నో i want a job lord i want i want to get married i want to get married to this person lord whatever you want to do do it quickly and after after a few days lord what did i do lord went and hang yourself <laughs> you see this is what happens when you space place spiritual relay a systematic intentional study of the word of god that is how i read when i start reading i don't read one book in the old testament when i start reading a book goes finished Joshua chapter 1 to Joshua chapter 24 one shot because i want to get the whole counsel one full train of thought that's how i read i, mean, I don't say that you should do the same whatever works for you but there should be an intention behind your reading in other words see uh, it doesn't matter how many times you read the bible bro but how many times did you really really read you know some churches no they have this i like that i don't want to criticize any church you know they have this bible completion certificate in the year and in in the church they give certificates to the to the to the members of the congregation who have finished the bible in one year i like that it's like i i, I like that you know why a guy who did not read the bible and a guy who has read the bible who has more chance of being saved ah simple ante ante kada no brainer that you don't have to be a statistician to understand this you don't have to study probability okay abigail you you just know it for sure the probability of a person who read the bible getting saved is greater than one who read does not read the bible it's foolish to ask that question read go through the bible and if you and, and i will not read the bible until and unless i understand this for 2000 years people have still haven't understood i don't even think paul completely understood what he wrote really he only understood to the level that he understood may you think about it no einstein just made e is equal to mc square we use that everywhere now yeah even in computer science big time all right so how do you read is important then daniel chapter 9 i set my face toward the lord god to make request by prayer sackcloth supplications ashes etc and what did i do we have sin question how do i read the scriptures second after i read the scriptures how is my confession lot of people have said i have sinned pharaoh said i have sinned only to harden his heart later without any genuine change i have sinned i have sinned i have sinned all he was worried about the consequences of his actions never real genuine change there was another guy called balam a double minded man he said i also have sinned only put to put a stumbling block to cause israel to sin and never dealt with his covetous heart what did he want he wanted the death of the righteous and he also wanted the the salary of wages of unrighteousness 
He wanted the wages of unrighteousness and he also wanted the death of righteousness. Double-minded man and he says in scriptures a double-minded man will receive nothing from the Lord. What does he receive? Receiving once he will not get the gift of repentance. He will not change. Another guy who said, sorry, this is Judas, no? Said, I have sinned and went and hung himself. Achan said, I have sinned, but it is too late. Saul said, I have sinned, but never wanted the approval of, approval of God, only approval of men. Never. Come to the new covenant, that is Judas, and then you have the prodigal son. I have sinned, said the younger son, and asked his father to make him a, ha, ah, that is his confession. Oh, father, I don't deserve to be a son. Let me become your servant. I will work for a few days, try to earn my salvation, and then later on you can accept me as your son. Slave. That is the reason why I love David, no? An old covenant man, I mean, new covenant man in the old covenant. He said, I have sinned, and the Lord said, I have put your sin away. What do you want? What an assurance, no? Can you imagine? Your sins have been forgiven you. Bah! You know, this is the greatest gift a man can receive. Not healing. Four people bring their friend into to Jesus' place and they break open the roof and bring him down and Jesus looks at that guy and he says, Son! Your sins are forgiven. What did we bring this guy for? Master, Papam Gado, he wants Papam But problem is Papa. Sins are forgiven. Sisters are praying, no? Those who are forgiven much, love much. Simon, Simon, I came to your house. You did, did not give me water to drink. But this lady, by the time washing her, Washing my feet with tears. You do not give me a kiss. She has not stopped giving kisses. You are not anointing my head with oil, but she has not stopped anointing my feet with the, the best that she has. Her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Therefore, she loves much. What an assurance to have. You know, the greatest assurance that you can ever have in your life, the greatest blessing is you are sins are forgiven. Not only your sins are forgiven, like, like Jesus, like Pastor was saying, you are just not forgiven, you have been Justified. Just as if you have never sinned in your life. Clean shit. Wow. That is New Testament. Why? Why? This is important. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, question is, how is our confession? Genuine? Genuine, truly from our heart. Lord, you know my heart, Lord. You know nothing is hidden from your sight. Nothing is hidden. But how do we sin? First way we sin is this. We have sinned by departing from your commandments and your precepts. How do we sin? We we sin by departing from him. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. You know the word deserting comes from the the Greek word which means to... um, Shift parties. 
ಜೆಕೆಸಿಆರ್ ಜೆ ಕೆಸಿಆರ್ ಜೆ ಕೆಸಿಆರ್ ನೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಎಲೆಕ್ಷನ್ ಜೆ ಮೋಡಿ ಜೆ ಮೋಡಿ ಜೆ ಮೋಡಿ ದಟ್ ಇಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಇಮ್ಯಾಜಿನ್ ಯು ಬಿಕಮ್ ಅ ಟರ್ನ್ ಕೋಟ್ ಅಪ್ಸಲೂ ಟರ್ನ್ ಕೋಟ್ ಯು ಡೆಸೋಟಿಂಗ್ ಹಿಮ್ ಇನ್ ಅದರ್ ವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ವೆನ್ ಎವರ್ ವಿ ಸಿನ್ we don't just sin away from commands we sin away from a person that is the reason why it says in first second thessalonians that day will not come until what comes first the falling away what is falling away the great divorce that's the word apost apostasio apostasia something like that in greek which means to apostatize means to give the divorce to god we'll divorce god and go after our lovers so you and any says you quickly desert i sometimes i feel is it 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 appears to be quick but you know the process is very very slow in the heart drifting happens very slow you know that right drifting is a slow process for example if you want to check that out you can go to let's say uh, uh, one river here let's say you can go to musi river maybe here i don't know if that is good good enough or maybe husain sagar and just put one log and do nothing after a while it is there near buddha how did it enter near buddha slowly drifted it was near to you first and said vijay you are my god after a while slowly drifted close to buddha vijay you are too far buddha is my god you see that's how drifting happens slowly slowly it you know it's such a very subtle thing you miss one meeting okay one bible study so hey nothing is happening i'm okay nothing is happening or let's say you come first one sunday one minute late i'm just giving an example are nothing happened thank god pastor didn't see any otherwise he'll see me i remember for those days no he would look at the time and he say vijay you are 59 seconds late <laughs> there was that days which i was not seconds minutes also late but you time and then what happens nothing happened five minutes late then after half an hour late i will go for message i am messages anyways long we can go in the middle of the message no problem and slowly benediction after a while out you see that's exactly how drifting happens it happens slow because the results are not immediate it's like this no you eat one worm nothing happened the immune system is taking care of it and slowly you keep on increasing the dosage what will happen dr richard slow drifting is slow and first thing we sin by departing from him second we sin by not listening to correction look at what it says we have sinned by not listening to your prophets jeremiah chapter jeremiah is very good now he says jeremiah chapter 18 verse 18 then they said come let us devise plans against jeremiah for the lord shall not perish from the priest meaning that fellow opens his words and whatever he says comes to pass for the lord shall not depart from the priest nor counsel from the wise nor the word of the prophet come let us attack him with the tongue and let us not give heed to any of his words as exactly what happens in many many places what do they do in order to discredit the message they have to discredit the messenger 
And then you know what Jeremiah says? Look at what Jeremiah says. Lord, give heed to me, Lord. And listen to the voice of those who contend with me. Shall evil be repaired for good? For they have dug a pit for me. Remember that I stood before you to speak good for them. To turn your wrath away from them, Lord. You know what I was doing? I was interceding for them, Lord. I was interceding from them. And they don't even know how much of wrath would have come out over their lives. Had I not stood in the gap for them. People don't understand. This very, very important principle. Between, you see, when the, when the Israel, Israel had to camp, whenever they had to move, they had to first move the tabernacle. Right? They had to pitch the tabernacle. After they pitched the tabernacle, the Levites had to pitch their tents around the tabernacle and then Judah tribes east, west, north, south, they have to arrange themselves around the tabernacle and why should the Levites be between the tabernacle and the people? Because the wrath of God should not come into the camp and destroy them. So what was the purpose of the Levites? So they will protect the people. And you know what happened over here? Jeremiah is saying, Lord, don't you know Lord? So many times Lord, I interceded for them and said, Lord, give them some more time, give them some more time. This is how they deal with me. So sometimes you don't even realize how many of you knew that you had the earthquake today? Nobody! Think about it, my dear brothers and sisters. If it was an earthquake which was for more time, do you think you would have been here? Kada Adam Dirigindi. And there's one guy called Amos. They asked Amos, who are you, Ray? Who are you, Amos? I am a prophet. No, I'm not even a prophet. I'm a shepherd from Tekoa. I'm a farmer. Look at what he says. This is Amos. Chapter 7. This is what the Lord showed me. Behold, he, who is he? The Lord. Was forming locusts when the latter growth was just beginning to sprout. The latter growth was just beginning to sprout and Lord was forming locusts. And behold, it was the it was the latter growth after the king's mowings. When they had finished eating the grass of the land, I said, Oh Lord, please forgive. How can Jacob stand? He's small. So the Lord relented. In other words, there was a bunch of locusts which was about to become, about to come and the Lord prepared them. Send these locusts, destroy the crop. And you know who's standing in, in the middle saying, Lord, 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 they are not ready, Lord. They are small, Lord. They are weak, Lord. Please, Lord, don't allow this to happen. Do, does Israel know that the locust is coming? No. Who knows? How do they deal with the prophet then? Look at the next verse. And Amaziah said to Moses, Oh, seer, flee away to the land of Judah. Where are you? You are in the land of Israel. Where is Israel? In Israel, you are the priest at Bethel. What kind of a priest are you? You are a priest of the temple of Jeroboam. You are an ordinary priest. You are not even supposed to be called a priest. And you know what you are saying? My message is convicting you. And what is happening? Oh, seer, flee away to Judah and eat bread there and prophesy there. But never again prophesy in Bethel. For it is a king's sanctuary. What is whose sanctuary? Huh? It is not God's sanctuary. And it is the temple of the kingdom. Wow! You see, we never, we know, we don't know how much God has restrained His judgments to come over our lives just by placing people in our lives who have been interceding and fasting for you. Don't take those things lightly. If I see how many men, 
one man. Do you see, when he, when he wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, if I see, ten righteous men. When he wants to destroy Israel, if I see, wow Lord, wow how much you love your people. One who can stand in the gap. And what do you do with him? You don't listen to him. You know, this is what Jeremiah says. Lord, sorry, the next verse. Uh, Yet, Lord, you know all their counsel which is against me to slay me. Provide no atonement for their sin. Can you imagine? If a man of God prays like this, Provide no atonement for their iniquity, nor blot out their sin from your side, but let them be overthrown before you. Deal thus with them in the time of your anger. <laughs> Don't listen to the prophet. This is what will happen to you. First, what, how did they sin? They departed from him. Second, how did they sin? They did not listen to the prophets. Third, how did they sin? Let me tell, Let me show you. To us belongs shame, but we are not. Oh, have you seen? People are not ashamed of themselves anymore, of their sin. I remember those days when we, I, I told, explain this, I mentioned this some time back. When we went to our relatives home, when Star TV just came. Okay, Star TV was just entering into India. Oh, one, how many channels? 15 channels. You put any channels? 4,000 channels. Almost. 15 channels, only Telugu News. Huh? Those days, Star Plus was coming and we were all there in my relative's house and suddenly he was there, bold and the beautiful. On TV. Immediately my, my aunt, she took the remote control and she switched it off. Fast forward, 20 years. Everybody in the dining room, sorry, in the living room, no, no more dining room. The living room has become dining room. In front of the television, item number going on screen. And everybody is eating. It's not bothering them. And if one of my cousins, he doesn't want to eat, you know what they do? Flip open the camera on the, on the phone. Open a song. That thing goes into his mouth. Those days... You would blush, but today people don't blush. Blushing to end the sir? Do you know? Do you know what blushing is? Look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 6. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They not only, they did not know how to even blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. And you know what Daniel is saying? Lord, to us belong shame, Lord. But we are not ashamed. And that's what you tell our children, no? When they make a mistake, you should be ashamed of yourself. But that guy is not ashamed. He's throwing attitude. Yes, son. Yes, son. And when they grow up, Daddy, why are you speak, scolding me like that? Daddy, why? Why? When they grow up, they throw attitude. 
It's amazing. After we grow, I mean, think about it, no? When my children were very small, when they make a mistake, and when mother disciplines them, they come and cling to the mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry. No? You see that? Become brazen now. I mean, if you go to the West, they don't even know how to give respect to the professors. In the class, they will sit like coffee. They'll walk into the class anytime they want. And they get out anytime they want. But in our India, I mean, see, the culture in India is, thank God, it's good. Guru Mukhasya, Vidya Labhyate. U.S. and Canada? Sir, this is how they respond. I'm not kidding. You will be shocked when you go there. All the Desis and uh, and all the Chinese and Iranians will be sitting. Excuse me, sir. Uh, Can I have a question? Don't call me sir. Call me Bob. The professor will say. Bob means Robert. Call me Bob. There's no respect. And the clothing? You know what I'm talking about, no? ATS and triple IT, I know. Tighter and shorter. By the year. The dressing was getting reduced by degrees. And they don't blush. They're so brazen. They're so bold. You know that? Absolutely no calms when they come and talk to anybody. Professor. The professor has to walk like this in the class. Sometimes. Brazen. You see, people have lost. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they were ashamed. Our generation, when we sin, we are Brazen. Show off. And you know what? Daniel is saying, Lord, to us belong shame. And we are not ashamed. When are we ashamed? Daniel, Jeremiah chapter 2, 2 verse 26. As the thief is ashamed, ashamed when he is found. Ah, ah, ah. Eh. Sorry, 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 sorry. That is when you are ashamed. Otherwise... Durukte andar dongale. Legvada andar doral. Ashamed. So first, they have sinned. How did they sin? By departing from him. Second, how did they sin? By not listening to the prophets. Third, how did they sin? They have sinned and they have been ashamed. They have become brazen now. And Daniel's heart, heart is broken. Lord, look at my people, Lord. The punishment, nothing happens. You send them to Babylon also. The fellows are thick-skinned now to correction. After a while, you know that, right? After a while, people don't change. Thick-skinned. Then what happens? As it is written in the law of Moses, in other words, we do not take God's word seriously and therefore we sin. That's why, that's why we sin. Because we don't think that they will have consequences for our actions. As it is written, who wrote? Who is that authority? 
Galatians chapter 6. Let us read that together. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. God is not mocked. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. This is what we call as the inexorable law of sowing and reaping. And the very first thing Isaac has to be taught when he is about to go into the promise to Egypt. You know what God asked him? Please don't go. What should you do? Sow. And what will you have? Hundredfold. The first law that God has to teach Isaac. Isaac, you, and we are all Isaacs by the way. We know, I hope you know that. Galatians chapter 5 will say, we are, we, my dear brothers, are like what? Are like Isaac of the, we are like the children of promise, not the children of bondage. We are Isaacs. And what, what does Isaac has to be taught? Isaac has to be taught. Isaac, God is not mocked. If you sow in the flesh, you will reap corruption. If you sow in the spirit, you will reap eternal life. God is not mocked. And whatever God says, it doesn't matter. He's not going to change it to anybody. He's not even going to change it for my son. He's not even going to change it for Apostle Paul. And therefore, Apostle Paul says, I beat my body to subjection so that after having preached others, I myself will not be what? Disqualified. Because I know it's going to work against me too. I'm not going to take it lightly. I, I like that frame, famous dialogue in, uh, in, in, in Ten Commandments. So it shall be written and so it shall be done. Who said that? Ramses. No, no, no. He copied from the Bible. City that he built will bear my name. Woman that he loves will bear my son. So it shall be written. So it shall be done. God, Jesus says, you know what? I wrote one law. Think about it. I remember so many years back when we were in, once pastor was teaching us, he says, when God is never going to go outside his moral law. But if you keep his moral law, he will bend the natural law. Natural law is not a big deal. For example, you sow now and you wait for a long time and then you reap. How many, how many uh, breads do you have? Five. I will not wait till that time, okay? Because breads have taken a few seeds. You have to sow those seeds and then you have to make a large crop for such a long time. You have to wait and then send it to the mill and grind it and then make flour out of it and then and then make bread out of it and feed 5,000. I don't want to wait. Just bring it to me. Give thanks. Break. And what does God do? Within span of six seconds, he multiplies those five loaves into 5,000 people's lunch or dinner. He's able to do that. But he's never going to bend his moral law. <laughs> I was discussing with pastor the other day. He said, Vijay, all that is legal is not moral. Just because it is legal, homosexuality is legal. But is it moral? No. Abortion is legal. But is it moral? No. But if you keep the moral law, God is going to overthrow every other law in your life. If you love God with all of your heart, you have surrendered life, your life to Him. You know what He's going to do? You sleep in the, in the prison. He's going to send the angel. Tuck, 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 tuck. Doors will open. Everybody will fall asleep. Get out. He'll bend the natural laws as long as you obey the moral law. Because you know what? Moral law is supposed to do with His character and He's not going to change. 
is not going to change. Whatever he says will happen. If he says, I'm going to judge sin, I will judge sin. Second Peter chapter 3. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God, this is Second Peter chapter 3 verse 5. Word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for the fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. You know what is going to happen? The elements are going to burn with fervent heat. All the things that you look is just going to collapse one day. It's going to happen. You know why? He wrote it and it is going to happen. So we sin. How do we sin? First, by departing from him. Second, by disobeying his prophets. Third, by not being ashamed of our sin. Fourth, by not thinking that his word is, he means what he says. His word is forever preserved in the heavens. So how does Daniel end this his prayer? Daniel chapter 9 verse 17. Now therefore, therefore our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. And it says, for we do not present our supplications because before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. So when we come back to God, how do we come back? Based upon our obedience? No. Based upon our pedigree? No. Based upon His work alone. His justification by faith alone. No other way. Not by good works. I like this character in the Old Testament about this guy, you know, who had incredible credentials. Look at this man. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1 onwards. Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of the master. But that means his master said, boss, who's the best in your kingdom? Naaman. Recommendation letter. Because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. In other words, he was a very, very nicely skilled fellow. Qualified man. He was also a mighty man of valor. Very brave man. But he was a Leper. You know, Tim Keller in one of his teachings, he says, I think you heard it. <laughs> he, he says, a lot of people, they think they have made it until they realize a problem in their lives and they know that they are so vulnerable. Anything can happen in any moment. Anything can happen any moment. What are you? The best in your kingdom. What are you? In the eyes of your master, you are the blue-eyed boy. The wagoner, in other words. That's what they call him, the blue-eyed boy, you know, wagoner. The eyes of your master, and you are so accomplished. You are a brave man, but you are a leper. What can you do? What can you do, Baba, with your leprosy? Nothing. That means you are literally falling apart in your life. And that is the reason why, you know, Michael Phelps and all these people with all their gold medals, they know there's something wrong with them. The first, I think the youngest Wimbledon champion was Boris Becker. I think when he was age of 16, he won the Grand Slam, Wimbledon. And after that, he became a drunkard. 
and he went into depression, he wanted to commit suicide. He talks about his, in, uh, talks about that in memoirs, in his memoirs. Accomplished, brilliant. But what? Alapar. Everything falling apart in his life. Alapar. What can he do now? And then you know what happens? And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel. <laughs> you see, God uses the foolish things of the world. You know, that's exactly what happened. We, we, what we call as campus recruitment. Kada? So the Syrians went and on campus recruitment. <laughs> You're all laughing. And they brought one young girl as an employee in Naman's home. How many of you went through campus recruitment? Not many. Are you? Why are you ashamed? Good, good. No. So this is talking about you. A man... Who is this lady, young girl from the land of Israel? Do you know her name? No. What is she going to be employed as a servant? Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. You know what she's saying? You know what? She spoke the gospel to him. You know what? My master is so well accomplished. All his credentials is not going to make him righteous before God. He's a leper and he will die a leper if he doesn't go and visit the prophet. How different righteousness is with God. With all your accomplishments, what are you going to do? That is the reason why it says in Mark's gospel, he says, what does it profit a man if he... (laughs) And he loses his own soul. And what will a man will give in exchange to his soul? He's leprous. Nothing can do. Nothing can happen to him. And you know what God uses? He uses the foolish things of this world and he uses all you young girls recruited in your software companies. Young men also included. Okay. And you know what God is going to do? If only, sir, you would know the God that I serve. And God will heal you of whatever you are going through. That is how you bring people into the kingdom. If only so, you know. And you know something? This guy is going to listen to the, to the servant's suggestion. Can you imagine what kind of a servant she was? Great man Naman is going to listen to a small, simple servant in our home who is a captive. He's a captive. You know, that means, you know what? This girl would have been a, one of the most hard-working, diligent girls who has earned the trust of the master. And one of the things, all of you children, wherever you're working, try to do your level best so that you can earn the trust of your boss. It's so very important to do that. So that when your boss is in trouble, he will call you. He knows whom to call. Who can fill the gap. If you're getting more responsibility, thank God. Oh, so much they're giving me work, Baba. Take it as a challenge. Lord, doesn't matter how much work they give me. Let me finish it fast. You, I rely upon you. I don't rely upon my own strength. You said, you, you said that you gave Daniel and all uh, his, uh, his three friends wisdom from above. Lord, I am looking for wisdom from you, Lord. I want to finish everything. I want to earn the trust of my boss. And I also want to have approval of Sorry, a favor with God and favor with man. And whose favor matters, like Pastor James keeps saying, there's only one person's favor matters. A favor of the boss in your company matters, not your colleagues. 
If your colleagues can say 150 things about you, can they give you a promotion? No. Whose who's appraisal, whose thing, thing matters? Your boss. You know it wrong very well. No brainer this. Earn that trust. And then what happens? She says, if only my master will go to the prophet in Samaria. He will heal him of his leprosy. What is leprosy? Sin. Sin is destroying. And all his credentials is not going to solve the sin problem. Do you know that? All the problems. I mean, can you imagine he can have the multiple PhDs from Harvard and Yale. Is it going to solve the sin problem? No. He can only give lectures on data management. And statistics and probability. You are all laughing. People pay money for that. To get a better job. But you know what God says? My salvation? Free. Free. Anyways, God uses the foolish things of the world. So if you are foolish, you know, God has got a chance. You have a chance to minister to the people in your own company. Okay, let's move on. Then what happens? And Naaman went in and told his master saying, thus and thus says the this says the girl who is from the land of Israel. So you know what he's saying? He goes to his master and he says, you know what, master, I have this problem. You know this problem I have. I, have. I want you to give me a recommendation letter. It's like, it's like this, you know, what we call as justification by works. Naaman, the best man in my in my company. You know, that's exactly how we get uh, admissions in, a, in, in, in universities abroad. Vijay Takota, top 5% in the class. Brilliant, what is it called? Uh, aim skills away? Analytical and problem solving skills. He can work as a team player. Chaka, 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 chaka. Sign. If you take him into your company, Baba, your company is going to go to a next level only. That is how they give recommendation. No, That is what we call as righteousness. Okay, so righteousness from king. Naman, please heal him. He deserves to be healed. What does he do? He deserves to be healed. And where does this guy go? He goes to the king. And what does the king do? <laughs> There's his robe. Am I God? For once he spoke the truth. Look at what this guy is doing. He's trying to create mischief. And Elisha says, please shut your mouth. Send him here. And what does Elisha do? This guy, I deserve to be healed first. Second, I don't want your healing for free. What do I have? 6,000 shekels of silver. 10 changes of garments. Gold. How much money? A lot of money. Okay. And you give me healing, I am going to give you and give you back in kind. I don't want anything for free. That is what we call as pride. The lofty looks of men. They deserve to be healed. You know, that, that's what they say. Baba, you worked so hard. You deserve this promotion. How many, how many times you heard that from your own mouth? I deserve this promotion. You deserve this vacation. <laughs> Only thing that we deserve is hell. For sure. The wages of sin is death and eternal separation from God is what we deserve. Everything else is what? Grace. That's what, that's what is. How much do you earn? More than I get. More than I deserve. More than I, how much, how much do you earn? More than I deserve. How was your promotion? Better than I deserve. If that is your equation, Baba, you are the safest. So what happens this guy? This guy goes, so he, so he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, lot of money, 10 changes of clothing. 
And it happened when the king of Israel read this letter, am I God to kill kill and make alive? And this man sends a man to heal me of my leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks to call us. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, what did he say? Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. He doesn't say there is a miracle worker in Israel. No. There is a prophet in Israel. Then what happens? He asks him, go and dip yourself in Jordan. Seven times. Elisha doesn't even come out. It's amazing. He just doesn't even come out. And what is he expecting? Oh, Mr. Naman, you are such a great man. You deserve my company. Ask that Naman, please go and dip yourself in Jordan for seven times and he will be healed. And this guy is in full anger. What is That is what we call as offense. Full offense. The offense is directly proportional to your righteousness. You know, really? It is true. The more righteous you are, the more you will get offended. Do you know that? Only those people who think that they are the chief of sinners will never get offended. Anyway, you know, when, when people cut you, it pains. Why did they cut you? They don't, don't they know my surrender? Lord, don't you know my surrender? How much I surrendered for you? How much I gave up for you? Your righteousness, I know. And your offense is directly proportional to your righteousness. And then he says, and he's asking me to go and dip in Jordan. There's only one way to salvation. Nonsense. Are not Abna and Parafar, the rivers of Damascus. So go and dip there, Baba. Go there, dip. Take a nice dip there. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Whenever you see people in a rage, you know they are offended big time and their offense is directly proportional to their righteousness. That's a mathematical equation for this day. And his servants came near who all the time, you know, God, God, how he uses servants. And he says, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something, oh, that's what you're expecting. Something great. Go. Destroy this king. Conquer this army and I will give you your deliverance. Salvation is what? Free. Just do one thing. Tell people what you really are. That's all you need to do. You mean to say that I should strip my robe before my servants? Yeah. How many times? Seven times. Seven is the, seven dippings is perfect humbling. Complete humbling. How many, <laughs> how many dips? Seven dips. First dip, nothing happened. Second dip, nothing happened. Third dip, nothing happened. Actually, zero change. At least some change. You know, if you take antibiotic for three days, at least some change will be there. Here, not even a single change happening over here. The whole course <laughs> has to be taken for the change to happen. Six, seven, eight. No, sorry. Six and seven. And when he comes out the seventh time, you know what happens to his skin? It's changed like the what? Skin of a? Child, unless and until you are converted like a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
Prabhu is so happy. He's so happy. He goes back to his master and he says, sorry, Elisha, and he says, take this. I don't want your salvation for free. And you know what, God, what, what Elisha says? My salvation is absolutely free. I am not even going to add one thing to it. Not even one. Salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. What's his name? Elisha. What does that mean? Whose who's, who's son is he? Son of Shafat. God is my salvation. My father is a judge. Shafat means judge. Salvation in, I'm not going to add even one thing to it. Go in peace. Okay, Lord, okay, okay. Can I take some sand? Okay. Hey, you can go. And you know the story. And even as he is going, another false, what is called prosperity gospel preacher is running behind him. What does he say? Oh, as long as the Lord lives, we have to add something to it, Baba. You have to give me a little offering also now. And then only your salvation is complete. And you know what God says? If any man preaches any other gospel other than we have already preached, let him be accursed. And the curse that has left Naman is going to come after you and you will die a leper all your life. You know why? Because you added something to it. Don't add. You don't deserve. You know what? Blessed is a man who knows beforehand that he does not deserve. That is Daniel. Lord, to you belong righteousness. To us belong shamefacedness. Lord, we do not come to you based upon our righteousness. But Lord, we come to you based upon your tender mercies and your steadfast love. And based upon your covenant, Lord, I come to you. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Fall I to the fountain fly. Wash me savior or I die. Or I die. I need you to dress me up. There was another guy. They were persuading Jesus and saying something very interesting about him. This is found in Luke's gospel chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying all this this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. Now this is Ulta, okay. There, there was a servant who was well and a master who was sick. Here a servant who was sick and a master who is well. Okay. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some of the elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. Now look at the credentials of the servant, of the, of the, of the centurion. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man, ah, deserves to you to, deserves to have you do this. Can you imagine how they come and, Lord, that he deserves, Lord. He deserves your mercy. Because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. temple I remember, no, when I when, when I was in uh, in <laughs> in in uh, near Nan, what's that place? Uh, Manikonda. Manikonda. Uh, we were in, living in an apartment, and the and the owner want, was asking us, "Do you want to buy our apartment?" 
we were living on the top floor, beautiful apartment. And he said, only one problem, Vijayagaru, you will not get a loan for this apartment. You will have to, uh, it's difficult to get a loan, but uh, I'm, try, I'm trying my level best to get the papers in order. I said, why Why will I not get a loan for this apartment? And he said, you know what, uh, actually, our, our we had permission only till fourth floor, but uh, we managed and we built the fifth floor also. And uh, we told uh, that guy, register, please uh, uh, overlook it and sign the whatever, no objection certificate. And uh, we only gave him uh, 5 lakh rupees. And uh, that, that guy was a very nice man. He gave half that money to the, tel- to the temple near our home. So I said, wow, what? What a God you serve. He is happy with your lunch and money. Huh? You know what? Jesus, this guy deserves. He constructed a synagogue for us. He deserves your mercy. So Jesus went with him. You know what? Jesus knows everybody's heart now. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent his friends to say to him, you know what the centurion says? Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve. I don't deserve, Lord. I don't deserve. Ah, This is amazing, no? When we come to the point in your life when you say, Lord, I don't deserve anything, you are the freest man, the most content on planet earth. If you don't get healing, no problem. If you don't have money, no problem. As long as I'm able to make it to heaven, no problem. That's what I tell now. That which can't be cured, must be endured. Endured, no problem. Poverty, no problem. I worked so hard. What do you want? The moment you say deserve, you are in deep trouble. Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. Wow! What a man! But say the word and my servant will be healed. In other words, you know what he says? Lord, I don't want to add anything to my salvation. I only put my trust completely in your word. Your gospel. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. And what I deserve is absolute death. And you know what he says? For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and then that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. And then Jesus hears this. This is found in Matthew chapter 8 in the continuation. I'm putting Luke 7 and Matthew chapter 8 together. This is what he says. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Why was he amazed? Finally this fellow got the gospel. He got it. And I was trying to do it, tell it to my own people that you cannot save yourself by the works of the Lord. No man is justified before him. A Gentile has understood it. A Gentile has understood it. Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with what? Such great faith. And I say to you, 
That many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside. Wow! What a reversal! You know why? Because they thought they deserved and these people, they said, you know what? Lord, we don't even deserve. And they never get offended, no? All the Gentiles, when they really get the healing, they never got offended. The Syrophoenician woman, uh, sorry, I cannot give the food which, is belong, which belongs to the children to the dogs. Lord, dogs eat, Lord. Dogs also eat the crumbs from which fall off from the master's table. Shocked! You know what she says, Lord, I don't even deserve those crumbs. I completely am hoping on your mercy. Mercy. That is the reason why it says, come boldly and confidently to the throne room of grace to obtain mercy. Mercy. That is the reason I look at what Romans chapter 4 will say. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he is putting this centurion who is a Gentile at the same level as Abraham. Why? Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace but as debt. He deserves. But the wages of sin is death. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. What? His faith is credited to him as righteousness. And what did Jesus say to the centurion? This is what he says. I say to you, truly I have not found anyone Israel with such great Faith. And that faith is going to be credited to you as righteousness. And this morning, if you believe I don't deserve anything, you are the perfectly qualified to receive the grace from God. Perfect qualification you have. Lord, I do not deserve. Even look at, look at his credentials. You know what his credentials? Lord, I'm a man under authority. I say to this fellows, Go, he goes. I say to this fellow, he come, he comes. But even all those credentials, they are my righteousness, absolutely filthy rags before you. Nothing of my credentials matter, Lord. It doesn't matter how many people say, sir, you're great, sir, you're great, sir, you're great. Unless and until you say, I am great is not going to matter. <sighs> Subjects of the kingdom will be thrown out. But to him who does not work, but believes, Romans chapter 4 verse 5, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is what? Accounted, credited to him as righteousness. What is that credit line, Baba? Like Pastor was saying, infinite credit line. How much, how much do you want? What is that? He who did not spare his own son. How much is his son his value? What is the value of his son? Okay. False balances are an abomination to the Lord. You know that, right? And just weights are his delight. Why does God say false balances are an abomination to the Lord? Why does he say? Many, many tackle you parson. What does it mean? You have been weighed and you have been found wanting. Who was on one side? Jesus is on one side and you are on the other side. Who is on one side? Jesus. And you are on the other side. Balance. Can you balance? And? Who can balance on the other side then? Jesus has to be balanced. Therefore, if you get into Jesus, balance. That is what we call as justification. 
జస్టిఫై అంటే మీరు అంత రాస్తారు కదా వర్డ్ ప్రాసెసర్ లో యూ రైట్ వర్డ్ ప్రాసెసర్ అండ్ యూ టైప్ జస్టిఫై ఎవ్రీథింగ్ బికమ్ స్ట్రేట్ దట్స్ ఎగ్జాక్ట్లీ వాట్ గాడ్ ఇస్ డూయింగ్ విత్ ఆల్ ఆఫ్ అస్ హీ క్లోతస్ జీసస్ ఇస్ యర్ అండ్ యు ఆర్ హియర్ అండ్ జీసస్ ఇస్ లైక్ ఓ మై గాడ్ మై వెయిట్ ఇస్ సో హెవీ మై రైచియస్నెస్ యూ కనాట్ ఈవెన్ స్టాండ్ ఆల్ హెవ్ సెండ్ అండ్ ఫాలో అండ్ షార్ట్ ఆఫ్ ద గ్లోరీ ఆఫ్ గాడ్ యూ నో వాట్ వర్డ్ ద వర్డ్ గ్లోరీ గ్లోరీ మీన్స్ వెయిట్ ఇన్ఫెనెట్ వెయిట్ హాస్ కమ్ ఆన్ వన్ సైడ్ how can you balance the equation with infinity on the other side unless and until jesus comes there on the other side and balances the equation he balances it and he gives you a righteousness as a free gift if you say lord i don't deserve you know what when you when you say you actually do, when you don't deserve you when you open yourself lord and say this is what i truly am what am i chore liar cheat let everybody know it God says, Baba, today's salvation has come into your house. For this is also what? A son of Abraham. To whom does he say? Zacchaeus. His faith credited to him as righteousness. Why? Just as David also describes the blessedness of a man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. How does he, when does he, when does he say this? He says in Psalm 32, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered under Egypt. You know what cover is? For example, Hannah says, uh, Hannah, how much do you owe Hannah? Pastor, I think 10 lakhs will cover. Okay. 10 lakhs. Cover. How much do you owe Hannah? First, I think 10 lakhs will cover. Take 1 million. That is righteousness. Justification by faith. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and those whose iniquity. And you know what Daniel says? Lord, we don't come to even my righteousness. You can, Ezekiel called me, Ezekiel called, can call me righteous. But when I look at my own life, Lord, I am absolutely nothing without you. Nothing. My works, absolutely nothing. And that is how Titus chapter 3, this is what it says. For we ourselves were also once what? Everybody say? Fully. Second, they are third, deceived. Fourth, serving various lusts and pleasures. Foolish, disobedience, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but but according to His great mercy, He, what? Saved us. And everybody say, Amen. Though through the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us, abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified freely. Justified freely. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to His great mercy. What did He do? Has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And then 1 John chapter 3 will say, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be what? Called the sons of God. What manner of love? What manner of love? The love of God. He loves you. Do you know? He loves you exactly the way He loved Jesus. Exactly. Not Left to the right, not to the left, not to, he exactly loves you the way he loved Jesus. You know why? As long as you are hidden in Jesus, he will not impute any sin against you. It's all free. So what happens to Daniel? 
Now while I was speaking, praying and confessing, boy, what a man! With all his accomplishments, with all his, what do you say, accolades in the spiritual realm. See, sometimes, you know, a lot of people, when they come into the ministry, they think, see, so much I've accomplished. That becomes their righteousness now. What is your righteousness? See, this number of souls I brought into the kingdom. So many sermons I preached. Do you how many people listen to my sermons? What is that? Your righteousness. Now while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the, for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in the prayer, in prayer, the man Gabriel whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning began, being caused to fly, kya baat hai? reached me the time of the evening and informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. This is what he calls him. I like this. At the beginning of your supplications, the commandment command went out. And I have, tell you, I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. This is my beloved son in whom I am so well pleased. And when we are all in Christ Jesus, you know what he says? These are my beloved children in whom I am well pleased. You know why? Because they are not trying to earn their salvation on their righteousness. They have completely surrendered themselves to my righteousness and they are absolutely ready to show the world who they actually are. Hidden inside, leprous, covered with all kinds of accolades, but they are ready to strip it off and be converted like little children. And this morning, if you think you don't deserve, stand. So when you stand, you actually said, I don't deserve, right? <laughs> Let's sing that. Let's sing that only by grace.
by grace. Oh, only by grace can we enter. And now by your grace we come, we come. Now by your grace we come. Yes, Lord, if you would mark iniquities, who can stand before thee? And this morning, Father, I pray for every one of us who truly from the bottom of our hearts have confessed that they do not deserve. And those of them who still haven't been convicted, I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit is able to penetrate to the deepmost parts of their inner man, to cut all the defenses in their minds, O oh Lord, all the arguments which are standing contrary to the Word of God, all the offenses, the righteousness that they have incurred for themselves is holding the grace of God against them. I pray, Father, that you demolish them even now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, speak to them this morning. Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you. And we want to acknowledge with Daniel. To you belong righteousness, Lord. And to us belong shamefacedness. Yes, Lord, you've made a covenant with us. But so many times, Lord, we broke that covenant. forgive us but Lord in order to make us rich you emptied yourself of everything you literally emptied the entire bank balance of heaven to save us My dear brothers and sisters, let me tell you this morning in the name of Jesus that there is an incredible investment of God in your life. He has invested His only begotten Son. What is causing you to worry? He who did not spare His own Son. He who made His Son to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. He who made His Son into a curse on the tree so that we could inherit the blessing of Abraham. He who made His Son absolutely ugly on the cross so that we can be given beauty for our ashes. He who became absolutely poor so that we could be made rich in Him. And He has given us the guarantee, the very Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ inside of us, as a guarantee for that inheritance that we will enjoy one day. The investment of God in our lives cannot be taken for granted, my dear brothers and sisters. It's huge. And therefore, let us lay aside every offense. And let us say, Lord, I don't deserve. I may be having people under me to whom I will call and they will come. Whom I will go and they will go. But Lord, all the credentials in the world, Father, my righteousness 
which I think that can give me right a deserving stand before your eyes is absolute rubbish. All the postings that I have in my flesh is filthy rags. is counted as dung, Lord. It would stink in your nostrils. It's an abomination in your sight. Oh, Jesus, this morning I pray that you grant us truly the gift of humility as one has given a prayer request. Lord, the gift of humility that we will truly strip ourselves and show what we truly are before you so that Lord when we completely humble ourselves when our humility becomes complete Lord you will change us Father into children and our skin will become white as snow what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus your blood speaks a better word than all the empty claims that I've made upon this earth speaks righteousness for me, stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. And therefore nothing in my hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Father, we don't want to add anything to your work on the cross. Father, we just want to come against the spirit of Gehazi even in our own lives which will cause us to add something to your works. Lord, rid us of that, Lord, in this morning in your sanctuary. Jesus, we love you. We praise you, Father. Enable us to enjoy freedom truly from every guilt and every shame and enable us to leave the sanctuary Assured, having been justified freely by the grace through the atonement of Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. Nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling like Jacob, Lord. Break us. And I pray, Father, that you declare us just not forgiven, but righteous, just as if we have never sinned. Oh, Jesus. Father, let all those who think that they are righteous be granted the spirit and the gift of repentance this morning. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. For even to Cornelius, you said, Cornelius, your good works have come to you in a, to heaven, but they will not buy you access into heaven. There is access only in one way, through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And my son, my servant will come and preach the gospel to you. And everyone to whom the gospel is preached when they come and humble themselves before God. Lord, you said that doors of heaven are open and Lord, there are there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and Lord, I pray Lord, this morning Father, let there be rejoicing in your in heaven, O oh Lord, Father, for you will find not just one, many in the sanctuary who would repent and turn from their wickedness and from their own righteousness, O oh Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. And even as your children go into the rest of the week, the blessing of the living God, 
Let it pursue them and overtake them. Even as they walk in obedience to your commands all the days of their lives. For in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of you. In Jesus name. Amen.